What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Ableton Music Producer Podcast. It's Dan Geffen again. Uh, today we have a special guest. He produces under the name Aki. His name is Chris Adams. He's a bass experimental music producer, a DJ, an Ableton Live educator. Uh, he he makes some really cool music, and he's brilliant with sound design. He makes some really cool tutorials. Uh, today he's going to share some of his really awesome tips using Ableton Live's devices and plugins with us and some workflows that hopefully will help you, especially if anybody wants to go deeper in sound design and just producing music in general and get your feet wet. He's played a lot of major music festivals across the U.S. Um, he's been making, like I said, some cool YouTube tutorials and teaches a lot of different aspects of music production. He also recently released Stems with Sleeveless Records, donating to various charities and organizations supporting the Black Lives Matter movement, which is really dope. Um, um, and there will be links to that and some of his resources in the show notes of this episode, so check that out. But before we dive into today's episode, I have a couple exciting new announcements I want to make real fast. The Live Producers Online Membership Facebook group is now open, where you can ask for support with your Ableton-related questions, and I will get back to you. It's a good way to better connect with me and the music producer community with Live Producers Online members. I've got a content calendar scheduled. So every Monday I'm doing track feedback live where those who are members of live producers, you can submit your songs and I will give you feedback in the group, a live streaming. And it's a good way to get feedback on unfinished tracks you're working on. If you are a basic or pro member on the site, Tuesdays, I'm going to be releasing the new podcast episode every second and fourth Tuesday of the month. So stay tuned for that. Um, also Wednesdays, I call it my hump day hack where I just post a short one minute tip on something that I use to produce in Ableton Live that can help you with your productions. Thursday is shameless plug, so it's a great way for you to share your music. Um, this is all released tracks, so if you release a track and you want to share it with the community, then that is a great place to do that. Friday is music marketing tips. So I've been doing a lot in the world of music marketing as far as researching different hacks, whether it's like Facebook targeted advertising for new song releases that you have coming up or just like being able to get playlists on Spotify. Been diving more into the music marketing world um, thanks to Entrepreneur and a lot of other resources. So Friday, music marketing. So that's the content calendar, Monday through Friday. Would love to have you in the private Facebook group. So just go to Facebook and search Live Producers Online Members and request to join. Also, if you hate Facebook and you want to stay connected, you can join the newsletter where you can stay updated with future webinars and happenings and episodes. Just go to liveproducersonline.com slash newsletter and you can stay connected with me there with future happenings and cool stuff. Last but not least, if you don't own Ableton Live, I would be glad to hook you up with a discount on 10 Suite or Standard. Just go to liveproducersonline.com slash buyableton and be happy to hook you up. But that's enough about that. Today's episode with Ahi, and thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, I've been digging the tutorials you've been cranking out lately. Thanks, especially. Yeah, yeah the granular synthesis one. I was getting caffeinated at the coffee shop this morning just watching that. It was like 10 tips for granular synthesis. It was good. Yeah. I liked it. I uh, I don't really play much with the loop feature in the simpler. And I was yeah, like, I know. I got to spend it, more time with cool that. Things. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's, it, it's so funny. I, I was listening to like uh, this Amon Tobin sample pack on Splice this morning. Okay. And... Uh, do you, I don't know if you know Amon Tobin. I know the uh, name, but I haven't listened yeah. to much of his stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's sort of like one of the 
like quintessential figures in like experimental electronic IDM yeah, dance yeah. music. And he's got this other project, Two Fingers, that's like more bass music. Okay. That's really good. Uh, but he does a lot of granular synthesis. And so I was like listening to really the super creative extent in which, you know, you can use that technique. I think that's, that's a really fun part about IDM or the bass music scene in general. A lot of it is just sculpting sounds and sound design. And the more crazy you get with it, it's not like just a one and done sample pack. It's yeah. kind of, you're creating like your own original stuff that nobody else has made before. Right. And that's just kind of a fun tool of way of expressing yourself, like in the scene. It's fun. Yeah. I, I, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. But thanks for joining the podcast, like for real. And um, yeah, we finally did it. I <laughs> got you here after a while. I know you're busy. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to get to know you better and just pick your brain about bass music and like your production style. Like I was saying, I've been watching your tutorials and yeah, for sure. And we really haven't had somebody of, I guess, your genre so much on the podcast. So I'm curious what you think that is. (laughs) Well, this is the worst. That's the worst when somebody asks you to describe their own genre because there's like, (laughs) that could either be like the most offensive thing or the best compliment of your life, right? Like, Honestly, bass music, it's like experimental, experimental bass. That's the safest way I could put it. How would you describe your genre? Um, Well, the thing is, is like I've gone through so many evolutions in my life. I think most people know me nowadays for my bass music, particularly, you know, like the higher energy, maybe quirky bass music. And uh, before that, though, you know, I've, I've made like, 70 plus albums really yeah but not just singles albums yeah like, albums like damn. average an hour length of music per album that's wild and uh, these are all like three to four to five minute songs on average yeah so sometimes they're up to eight minutes i mean i've just made so much music that's a lot um but most of it people haven't heard of because it was all weird experimental idm and then it wasn't, and then I made like a bunch of like trash big room house when electronic music was popping off in like 2010 to 2012. And then yeah. um, I made a bunch of bad music. We all have. It eventually got good. Yeah. I, I'd say now it's, I, I'm pretty happy with, with the things that I'm putting out. I think your fans are happy with it too, from what I've seen. And, uh, but talk to us a little about like the history for the listeners, maybe who don't know anything about you, like, where did you start with music? And then we can kind of go deeper into like your process now. Well, I guess I first started making music when I was like 11 or 12 and I was making like really cheesy hip hop and rave music. Like, like, you know, uh, almost like dance, dance revolution (laughs) style tunes where it's just like super, super cheesy stuff. Yeah. Well, I was 12 and so I was, you know, uh, I was having fun. And then like my hip hop, I would just like, I was so, oh, it's awful. I would just like <laughs> say random drug names over the beat. <laughs> like I had no context of like what they were. I just like had heard the words and saw the rap and it was, yeah, it, it was really bad, honestly. That's funny. That's but, funny. you know, I was 12. And then from there, uh, I got into metal music, uh, punk music first, and then metal music, just because I love the drums yeah. and the energy of all that. And then from there, I really got into like new metal, which was like electronic 
influenced metal, like some like mushroom head. Yes. I love mushroom head. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got into Aphex twin. I like randomly was at a Barnes and Noble, like back when Barnes and Noble had like CDs. I, I never would have expected Barnes and Noble to be playing a lot of Aphex twin, to be honest. With oh you. yeah. No, I was just like going through records, you know, oh, okay. Barnes and Noble and found this one. They had like this way that you could scan the CD and listen to a, a sample of one of the songs. Yeah. And I just listened to this Aphex twin. My mind was like, blown away yeah the drums are even crazier it is it's real out there i love yeah. it and, and so um from there i got into my idm phase and then eventually like i heard like skrillex in like 2012 and i it was like complex but in like a different way yeah uh, it was still like super danceable and I, I started to really get into dance music that way again yeah. and um and then from there, just like my mind opened up to just how the ma- bass music world evolved since 2012 to where it is now. And it's just, it's like so many different things now, which is really cool. What, right. what I like about it is because like, I feel like in the early 2010s, like electronic music was this genre or this genre, or this genre. And now mm-hmm. I feel like with the bass music world, it's just like this sea of like, sound of new sounds and styles yeah totally i mean i don't even really know what a genre is anymore because there's like subgenres of subgenres yeah and but that's a good story man that's really cool i can relate to that coming from a lot of different influences in a background growing up um as far as playing instruments like did do you play any live acoustic analog instruments or are you all inside the box yeah i've i mean i started on guitar uh, right. when I was 14, so a little after I was already producing electronic stuff. And then, um, I got into like electronic drums and keyboards though. Honestly, I'm not a very good drummer physically. I, I can hold a beat, but it's like all the ideas I wanted to do in my head, I just couldn't do with my hands. And so that's why yeah. I sort of gravitated towards electronic production. Uh, but I also play this 10 string South American charango. Ooh. Uh, sounds cool. I have yeah. no idea what that is, but it sounds really rad. Looks like this. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's beautiful. That's yeah. All, yeah, and it's electric too. Okay, nice. Yeah, you know, it's acoustic electric. Acoustic but, electric, uh, yeah. Yeah, but it's got... That's yeah, pretty cool, man. Really cool, rich sound. So I like to play physical instruments too, but sure. it's weird because it's like almost a separate world for me. But when you bring the two together, it's really organic. It's really yeah. Neat. Well, I do that with another project of mine called Heartworks. It's with my girlfriend, um, and uh, we're signed to uh, the Polish Ambassadors label. Oh, nice! Um, and uh, Jumpsuit Records, and uh, yeah, that that stuff is more like happy, happy pop, like bass music. Happy That's bass. Happy bass. That's yeah. a new, new genre. I have to explore the happy it's, bass. It's like it's very happy. I love music. it. It's it. I, I like being able to express different parts of myself, like through the Ahi stuff, I can express like the more energetic, you know, maybe yeah. aggressive sounds. Sure. No, that's cool. I, I have like three projects myself and they're all very different. So I can relate to that. It's yeah. kind of like the different emotions at different times just kind of come out. You've yeah. got like outlets for all of those. That's dope. So that was a little bit of background with you producing music. If you could go back to your like past self now, 
Like, what are some things you would say, or how would you guide yourself in music production? Because I know you do a lot of tutorials, you do a lot of teaching, yeah. but if you had to teach yourself way back in the day, like, what Man, are a couple of things you would tell yourself? I just put out a tutorial this morning on sample selection. And man, I feel like that one would have really helped me out. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like uh, it's like an easy topic to misunderstand. Uh, but I, I could really see, I, I see now that like making sure that all of your sounds, like in, especially in your drums, are actually like full and like mm -hmm. actually sound real. Mm -hmm. in, or like they, they could actually move you and, and make you dance. And I, I feel like um, I just, I've made so many songs with subpar samples before yeah. that, you know, and now with splice.com, you know, it's like, it's so easy to get really good samples at a really cheap price. It's true. I don't know anybody that uses all their credits every month in splice. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think it's possible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, so just learning about that, especially for bass music, that and because like I, I sort of was attached to creating everything on my own, and I just wasn't at the skill level enough to really create good stuff uh, at a certain part of like my process. And now I feel like I can create most of all my own stuff but i still use a lot of other samples too i like i don't know i had to get over this thing in my head that i wasn't as creative by using other samples sure and like i had to get i had all these like blocks where i'm like i have to create every yeah. thing in the song and now i'm at a point where i'm like everything in the world is a potential use for the thing that i'm trying to achieve and and that to me was like a hurdle I had to personally get over. Sure. And that's also because you're from outer space, right? With the aliens. So everything in this world is still foreign to you, right? That's part of it, isn't it? <laughs> I totally see that. That's yeah. Funny. Uh, no, I mean, for people who maybe don't know you, like that is kind of like your character or like your personality. And it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's great. I love it. I love outer space, everything. I'm, I'm yeah. besides making music, you know, I like to learn a lot about uh, astronomy and just like the cutting edge of, of, uh, space uh science yeah no that's really cool man I, I i'm into it too but yeah i mean kind of going back to what you were saying giving yourself permission to use samples and not feel like you have to make everything from the ground up yeah. i can totally relate to that because a lot of times and like when i first started i had the same issue it was like i was taking mediocre samples and then spending a lot of time trying to mix them to sound really good when yeah re in reality the stuff on Splice, if you find the right samples, you don't have to work super hard to mix them because somebody's already EQ'd and compressed them and did transient design to the snare and all these other things to make mm -hmm. it sound awesome out of the gate. And then you're just kind of molding it together so it all fits. But Yeah, yeah I, I feel like earlier in my career, I was more obsessed with the process. Uh, and now I feel like I'm more focused on the end result mm -hmm. uh, of it. And I still love creating like a lot of things originally but i i just had to open up the toolbox that you know allow other people's influence and help to inform my decisions so who are those influential people in your life that have helped you a lot i don't even know production? like it's just like it's the community what i mean by that i i have yeah. artists that influence me 
you yeah. know, that I'm inspired by, particularly like bass nectar and Skrillex. Yeah. Uh, I really feel like they're able to curate things extremely well. And that's sure. That's why I, I, uh, I sort of, I dissect their tracks. Yeah. You know? I think that's one of my, I think that's my most popular video is me dissecting Skrillex and bass nectar tracks and talking about how they mix their stuff. Uh, yeah. using, and then now I, I talk about using span, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm, in terms of like influencing, I think it's so interesting. There's like probably thousands of people who I have no idea who they are, but I'm like using their samples or, you know, I'm just like coming across sounds that I just wouldn't have thought of before and like using those things to get inspiration from. And I feel like mm-hmm. now more than ever, it's just like this like community like hive mind that you can just like pull ideas and put together your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's a wealth of knowledge out there for free where people can Mm -hmm. just go to. And, and and so I like to try to contribute back to that and that's why I do my tutorials and whatnot. Right. Yeah. And they're great. And it's, it's short and sweet. You know, there's a lot of tutorials out there where you sit and you watch somebody like talk about themselves for five hours and then they actually get into the tutorial. <laughs> thank yeah. you for not, thank you for not doing that. I, I, those annoy me. Yeah. So I, I like being able to like, here's the thing that you should know yes. that I'm talking about. And it works. They're great. Uh, you said that you were really focused on the end result. And I think that's really important, especially for people starting to produce who are maybe newer and not farther along. I was in a, Ill Gates workshop in Indianapolis about a year and a half ago. And uh, he was talking about focus more on finishing than perfecting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, that's really true. The hardest part is just finishing, really, because he could work on the same song for 12 and a half years if he really yeah. wanted to. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Hold on a second. No, you're good. I've been getting random calls from Texas numbers all morning. Yeah. Mine are from Ohio. It's always random. Yeah. And I probably, you probably just want to cruise. You might want to call him back or something. Yeah. T- great time to go on a cruise right now. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? Yeah. This is a great time for a cruise. Yeah. Well, let's nerd out a little bit. Let's, let's talk Bye. some, let's talk about some details and things. So obviously experimental bass, it's your niche when you're not making happy bass with your girlfriend, which I'll have to yeah. check that out. And we'll definitely include links in the show notes to your music. So anybody listening right now, make sure you check that out at the end of this episode. As always, what are some of your favorite audio effects in Ableton Live? We're going to talk effects. I know you go deep into this world. I mean, audio effect. I mean, I have like all my like magic racks, uh, which are like, you know, a bunch of effects chained together to create specific sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, man, honestly, OT- OTT <laughs> oh, yeah. is probably like, because yeah. like, there's things that I think are unique and interesting. And then there's things that I think are useful Mm -hmm. really often. Sure. OTT is definitely the thing that I, the effect that is super useful and I use it so often Yeah. for so many different purposes. I I have a video about different ways that I use OTT, Um, the best and worst ways. And so, yeah, that one's a really big one for me. Um, Using the delay in in not syncing the delay to the grid and oh yeah setting delay. it to time mode yeah, instead of sync yeah yeah and and having like shorter delays but with lots of feedback uh you can okay make really cool robotic type effects awesome um I love those and um, I do 
I do the same thing for like spreading stereo width, the same thing. If you set it to time and make it really short, if you pull the feedback down, if you take the left side to one millisecond and the right side to 30 yeah. milliseconds, you can yeah, spread stuff. Yeah. That's the Haas effect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, though that effect unfortunately has a negative consequence sometimes. If you make uh, stuff too wide or... Uh, oh, no, it's just by delaying the left and right speakers, you're essentially putting them out of phase. That means that the left and right speakers are different. So if the more that you put them out of time with each other, the more different they're going to be. Yeah, and, I could see that. If something is already stereo, that's that's very possible. Yeah, yeah, and, and then like uh, it, it can like if you play it on, on like a mono system, that element will completely disappear from your song mm -hmm. because it'll only be, there's no center information for that sound. And so yeah. a lot of my process now is like using mid-side EQs to turn down the sides and to like mm. be really hyper-specific upon what elements I'm choosing to be wide and what elements I'm choosing to be more mono or less wide. Yeah. Like that... I don't feel like I did that at all in my process until the last year, two years or so. Yeah. Um, and I feel like my mixes have improved so much from that. And I got that idea from watching script. Oh, I had it from other people, but, but then when I watched this Skrillex video of him going through his Ableton project, I could see like he was using mid side EQ, like all the so time. many places. And it was like 90% of the time it was ducking the sides. Yeah. And so that way, whenever there, it's like, I made a video recently about stereo with, and it was more about like, I, I've, I've talked with a few people that are like, I'm always trying to widen all my sounds, but they can never get wide enough. Yeah. And it's often because they're just widening everything. Mm -hmm. And it's more about the, per, like the perceptual contrast that makes it seem wider than it actually is. Yeah. By having a bunch of more mono content and then one thing that's like super wide, you're like, oh my God, that's so wide. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So 3D. Yeah, I feel like it's it's more of a result of contrast than actual mm -hmm. like width. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why we use reference tracks because yeah. that's always a good way to calibrate your ears and reference in mono, right? Just like you yeah. said, it's good. Yeah, that's a great tip, man. That's a really great tip for everybody out there. Yeah, so you mentioned delay. A lot of people don't even know that you can go mid-side on Ableton's EQ8, which I think mm -hmm. is absolute gold. I, didn't yeah. use, I it, haven't used that enough either. You can really mess things up, I feel like, as well by, I don't know, sometimes by doing the mid-side EQ, you can put some weird phasing issues on stuff. Mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, it, though usually if you cut things using that, it works pretty well. Yeah. Good tips for the day. Other audio effects. I saw that you use the grain delay in that granular synthesis video that I watched yeah. this morning. And I don't use that thing enough, but you got some really cool effects. You use that on your vocal as some kind I, of I feel like, Yeah, I feel like it's, it's an effect I don't use that much, but mm -hmm. it's like good for... Like I, I, separate, I tend to separate my sound design moments from like my actual composing moments. And um, I feel like that's a, one thing it's like fun to play with in the sound design moments where you just, you get like a trippy effects kind of thing going on with that. Mm -hmm. Like you put on like a vocal or, or some like zippy sound. Yeah. That, 
they can just zippy sound. Yeah. yeah, no, that's fun. It, Ableton's warp mode, you can get weird with that. Yeah, it, I love doing, I love playing with the warp modes. Mm -hmm. uh, Sounds like somebody is high and they're like drinking sand. It's like, it's all weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, uh, that that's in the granular synthesis video as well. Uh, yeah, using yeah. texture mode is super, and stretching out mm -hmm. samples is super fun. That's definitely <laughs> one of my favorite ways of going about getting that sound. Um, what other audio effects am I really into? Um, How about echo? I'd say that's probably my favorite, personally. You know, I'm still mostly producing in Ableton 9, so I don't use echo. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I have... The, right now I'm on a new computer that has 10, but I'm just so much faster in nine. Okay. That, that, you know, it's a significant part of producing is yeah. of like how, how fast you can translate an idea. Yeah. See, I don't know, man, those new shortcuts with the automation lanes I'm telling you is it, it was a life changing moment for me. The heavens opened and there was like singing. It was amazing. It was just, it, it took a while though. It is it is a weird transition anytime for any doll, I guess, when you go from one major update to the next. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, if you get the results you want, that's all that matters, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm still so used to the nine. I'm I'm still getting used to ten right now. Mm -hmm. That's cool, man. So what are some of your favorite synthesizers? If we're gonna talk synths, because that's well, a big part of definitely kind of serum. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, in like such a huge part because you can do so many things with it. It's crazy. Yes, yes. Um, I feel like it doesn't do like pretty sounds very well. Okay, like compared to some other synths, like especially like analog synths. So define like, pretty. What do, what do you think of when you like, say pretty? Like, like, like sounds that have lots of evolution over a long period of time and okay. have like a. I don't know, a, a richer organic sound because like silence I, I, or sorry, serum, I feel like is like a very, I don't know, I love it and I use it for bass sounds and it does bass sounds better than yeah. any other synth that I know of, but it just doesn't compare like, like, uh, like tone wise to, mm -hmm. you know, some of the analog stuff that I have, like the Prophet X or the Moog sub fatty. Like yeah, over there. Um, well, the, I was just gonna say, yeah, I I got to sit in a couple of years ago at Loop Ableton's conference. Steve Duda created yeah. Serum. He did a, a workshop and just a brilliant, very yeah. respectable person. Like he's oh yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah, he, he actually uh, wished me a happy birthday in my uh, Serum tutorial. Uh, that's awesome, man. I was super <laughs> super sweet. Uh, when was when was your birthday? Uh, May 18th. Okay, that's not too far away. Happy birthday, man! Hey, thanks. If, uh, if we would have scheduled this earlier, I would have just—I would have sang to you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, just for you. To my embarrassment. Yeah, right. To my embarrassment. Yeah, something like that. No, but Steve, Steve Duda was talking about how he was with, and I might be lost in some of these details, but he was talking about he recently got off a tour with Skrillex. Oh no, that was back in like 2010. Yeah, long that time story ago. of his. Yeah, and then he. Yeah. Yeah, this is a long time ago, and then he ended up starting to work on Serum after that, and was very yeah. inspired. So you're talking about all these bass synth richness goodies of what Serum creates makes yeah. sense because if you're hanging out with Skrillex a lot, you're probably going to make some really good 
base in the sense you're designing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I feel like um, there's so much potential with the importing like wave tables that mm-hmm. people don't really get the full advantage of because it's very easy to mess up the import process. Like how, how so? I'm just curious because I haven't really done that much of that. Uh, so I, have, I need to do a, tutor, a full tutorial on this. Before I was doing YouTube tutorials, I was doing like two-minute long Instagram tutorials. Nice. Um, and, and I did one on this process where it, there's basically a way where you can type, you type in like F1 or like F2 or F0 uh, into the algorithm part within the wavetable editor of Serum. Like, you know, the wavetable editor? Yeah, yeah. And then there's like that blank line of like that blank bar at sort of the bottom of it that you can type things in like algorithms or math equations and whatnot. Uh, And so if you type in just like F something, F1, F2, it is actually will listen to, uh, it will listen to the incoming sample that you send in uh, referencing F, that note on the keyboard. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so it's a, it's a way to like have the algorithm within Serum listen and for the specific note of the sample that you're sending into it. Obviously, okay. the note that you're sending in, like the sample you're sending in it into it, has to correlate to that note, right? To be the most right. accurate, and it just when done right is very easy to still do it wrong. Even with that, uh, when done right, it's just so clean and so smooth and it doesn't have any like digital Art- artifacts, artifacts and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Which I think it's very, very easy to do that. And so, yeah, yeah being able to import other sounds as wavetables, like is really an infinite source of, of, uh, sounds like that you yeah. can get out of that. Like you're, any sound in the world can be imported as a wavetable. I, I I've gotten really into importing physical instruments uh, like a kalimba okay. pluck. That's tight. Uh, into there. And so and so I'll sample the kalimba pluck and import it as a wavetable. So it's the sample plus the wavetable version layered mm. together. Like a nice sandwich. And, and, it, and it creates just this like extra, like it does. it's not real and it's not digital. It's like both. Okay. It's this like totally extra vibe to it. That's, that's really cool. I need to play more with importing samples. I only did that one time a couple of years ago at a coffee shop. I actually took, you can import an image too. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I took my logo, my band Philia, and I put it in there and it sounded like trash. Well, it probably <laughs> sounded like a square. It did. Like, because it was it, a dirty square. Yeah, because it, 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 it works on like a grayscale and usually logos are like black and white. Oh, I'm, it was actually a full JPEG image. So oh, there's a lot of color. Yeah, it was oh, like okay. a color logo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I've sort of forgotten. Uh, I did a tutorial on how to do that on the two minute ones. But uh, yeah, it, it mostly works with black and white things. And so, like, white is going to be like all the way up and black is going to be all the way down or vice versa. I can't remember. That's cool. Um, and so it creates more square like sounds. And yeah, it's very easy to make it sound bad. Just like a lot of things in music production. <laughs> yeah. And so like a lot of like the things with Serum is that when you do finally tune it in, like the results are so good mm-hmm. and, and full. Yeah. Um, 
And just also being able to see the shape of the wavetables in CRM, I think is a really big, big Yeah. Thing. Honestly, just the interface of a plugin can inspire you to take a different route, I feel like. Yeah. like I, I want to get into phase plant. I want to try that out next. And, yeah, I haven't. And Arturia Pigments too. Absolutely. Pigments is a beast. That is a beast of a synth. We did yeah, I feel like that one doesn't do bass sounds as well, but it does pretty sounds better. I've gotten some pretty thick, fat sub bass out of it, but not like dirty, dirty bass. I haven't tried. We did a giveaway, a remix contest for one of my songs with our cherry and gave away pigments. And it was, it's a great plugin. I just need to spend more time with it. But their V collection for anybody that's into like analog synth emulations is absolute a gold mine, in my opinion. But yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of your live performance too, right? Because you play a lot of festivals. You've done some touring for sure. Uh, what are, what's your favorite favorite gig you've ever played? I know there's a lot of them, but if you had to pick like maybe one or two well, moments. Yeah, okay. So two things. So I, before Ahi, um, I was also, well, also, well, I should say at the beginning of like when I started making bass music, like 2016, um, I was also working for this uh, this other act called Lucent Dossier Experience. Yeah, yeah. And they were like sort of a circus act. So it was like Cirque du Soleil mixed with Burning Man. That's theme, awesome. But with like world-inspired bass music. Sign me up. That sounds amazing. I need yeah, to... it was, it was I... very cool. That All the people that are involved in that are like insanely talented. And it's more than just performing tricks. It's like people that are like, it's more about like their passion and like their the energy that they carry on stage. They like become these otherworldly characters. Um, and is that and how the already, alien image came out of that? Is that? Oh how that... no, I've just always been obsessed with aliens. Oh okay, and, and cool. everything. So nice. But um, you know, but for that group, we played like huge shows. Like you know, we headlined Lightning in a Bottle, um, Symbiosis. Uh, yeah, that's a great one. And um, and then probably my biggest show I did with them was we uh, headlined the Sahara Tent at Coachella. Oh, wow. That was like 20,000 people. Yeah, that's no joke. Yeah. And honestly, that was like before I felt like I was honestly like really, really good. Like my production, like I was pretty good. Yeah. And so it was just funny to be in front of like so many people. Yeah. Ah! Just feeding off of that energy of all those people. Yeah. Just loving um, it. That's Though, great. you know, my Ahi shows, you know, uh, the Ahi act wasn't as big. It still isn't as big yet as Lucent. Uh, but I think my favorite show I've played as Ahi was uh, Lightning in a Bottle last year. Okay. Um, Where's I, that at? Uh, it's in California. Okay. Because you're in Santa Cruz, right? Right now? No, no. I'm in uh, this place called Ojai, oh, which okay. is like just north of LA. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I love LA. Uh, I love the culture there. Living there, it's a little crazy. I could see that. Yeah, one hundred percent. I've just gotten so used to, I don't know, more of a rural lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're raising chickens. No, and... well, not not me raising well, chickens. Right. This week, I'm taking care of them because the owners are out and my girlfriend's out. So basically, well, someone else that lives here as well opens up the pen and feeds them in the morning. They're out wandering around on this two acre property that I'm on all That's day, awesome. uh, eating bugs and whatnot. And then at the end of the day, yeah. I go and uh, feed them again. And when I go, it's so funny. I get like 25 chickens following me around 
This you're like their new father. They're just yeah. like, <laughs> you know, and the we got three roosters here, and that's um, awesome, man. Yeah, and then I feed them, and I put them up. They they all go to the coop at night. Like they wander yeah. around acre farm all day, and every night when it gets dark, they all go to the. They coop. go right back because they know yeah. they're getting fed, and in the daytime, they're probably outside your window, just like listening to your music, just bouncing around, probably loving it. That's why they follow you. Yeah, <laughs> it's your biggest fans right there. I can hear them. Yeah, they're happy. They're loving it. They're loving your beats. Yeah, have you thought about sampling one of them? Oh yeah, definitely. I think you uh, should. Well, was, uh, recently I've been really getting into making my own reverbs. Really? How, yeah. how so? With, With like, like convolution? Uh, yeah, convolution reverb. Uh, yeah. Well, specifically, there I'll go to like, I've been going to like these like tunnels and uh, yeah. like sewer, like super dry here right now. Mm-hmm. And so it, there's all these like water tunnels for like water drainage. Oh, that's perfect. And so I've been going in those and like, playing sounds and recording it and then That's using awesome. that as a sample in the convolution reverbs. Yeah, the max for live effects, yeah. right? Yeah, the thing's great. I always recommend to like my students to use that instead of Ableton stock reverb personally. I just think it sounds great. Yeah, it, it does. It, I'm def I do like the I do like the stock reverb has its place, but yeah, I'm starting to really love also I really like Valhalla reverb. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, Have you played one. with Supermassive? That was like the newest yeah. one. That thing's yeah. fun. It's really fun. Yeah. Uh, is that like the chorus one? It, it's it does it's kind of like a Frankenstein of things. It's like the chorus and the freak frequency modulator and yeah, the Valhalla original reverb kind of all married into one. Mm-hmm. From, that thing's cool. So how do you what what do you use as like your noisemaker for the actual sample? I'm just curious. Like, well, I was playing like an impulse response into mm-hmm. the cave, but honestly, it wasn't loud enough, and okay. so I would just make a loud sound with like a hammer. Okay. You know, and yeah. that was acting as like an impulse response, and because of the way the convolution reverb works, you can just get any sample, and right. like you could even get like non reverb samples yeah and use it, uh, as a convolution reverb um and, like i've been trying to import like vocals Ooh. as the convolution reverb and what does that sound like effects. yeah that it sounds, sounds pretty, pretty I, I can imagine i was yeah. told so it's like Den- a ghost in a way that's tight yeah. yeah there's no there's no rules there's no rules there was um a guy named dennis and he runs the ableton certification and there was a girl in my round when I was getting certified in January, she was really into this. She was really into making all of her own reverbs. And we've learned like the best way to do it, Dennis was teaching us, is to take a, a balloon. If you have a really instant, loud, fast yeah. something, if you just pop a balloon next to the mic, apparently that's the best way to capture reverb inside yeah. of a chamber of sorts. So Yeah, no, that's that's that that would totally work. Oh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I haven't or like a, a pop gun or something like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, we were. I want to respect your time. I know you've got a lot of things to do and you're busy and get back to your chickens and making music. But I uh, just kind of wants to figure out. So, like, what's your live setup look like when you're actually performing live? What does that look like? Do you use um, always use decks? Do you have a preferred setup in Ableton or? I I used to use Ableton exclusively, and I like I 
set up like two DJ decks in Ableton and have one row of all the tracks and another row of all the same tracks. So that way I could sort of go between them. And like, I liked being able to change BPMs and whatnot. But Mm -hmm. then, I don't know, I just started, my friends just got me into using like CDJs. Now that I've sort of learned how to switch BPMs on CDJs, like pretty seamlessly mm-hmm. um i've just gotten way more into that and using the yeah. the sync function on which people hate on you know on the decks but you know ableton when you perform is essentially a big sync yeah function so right i don't know it's um it's just helpful when you're trying to transition from like 100 bpm to 128 or 128 to 150 or mm-hmm. or whatever you know and to like have a loop going a vocal loop going and have it pitch up. It's just the crowd reactions are so good when you like change a yeah. BPM and it goes into a hard drop. Yeah. Like people, people love that. Yeah. Yeah, and for I sure. It. I love it too. We're all, I'm a fan. So that's cool. And yeah, using CDJs, there's definitely the convenience factor, not having to lug around a laptop and an interface yeah, and that, a ton of stuff. That That's another part of it. But also it's like, I got tired of looking at a screen while mm-hmm. I was performing, like, mm-hmm. because it sort of broke this connection between me and the audience. Cause like what I like to do when I perform live is like interact with the audience. Um, because it's like, I don't know, I guess some of my earlier performances, it was just like me reserved <laughs> playing my music and yeah. there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. But just from like a observer standpoint, like mm. I just personally, saw that was sort of boring and so i was like man i'm boring i got to be more interesting when hmm. i'm performing live because like if i was watching me i would want myself to be more entertaining in that way yeah uh, and so i try to think about it in that way of like when i'm watching something like what would i want and so i try to like evolve my dj sets and yeah that. Yeah, your stage presence is on point. I haven't had the pleasure of seeing you live in person, but I've seen videos and you definitely have a good time on stage and it feeds yeah. into the crowd. Yeah, because yeah. also like, I don't know, I've had like near-death experiences. I yeah. gotta, when I'm doing live stuff, I'm just like, this is why I'm alive. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that, man, for real. Music with a purpose, that, that'll take you far. I love that, that's good. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, hey, thank you for hanging out today. This is yeah. uh, good meeting you, picking your brain on all the goodies of what you shared with music production and things. But yeah, I guess where's the best place for people to connect with you if they want to follow you, stay in touch? Well, my YouTube, Official Ahi, uh, Official Ahi on YouTube uh, is a great way. Uh, my Spotify has all of like my latest music on there, A-H-E-E on Spotify. Um, uh, SoundCloud sort of disappearing right now, yo. Yeah, I've had a love hate relationship with SoundCloud, right? Personally, yeah, yeah. I, I really, really enjoyed it like for years, and Used now to. it's just it's it's sort of become like a giant repost network. Um, yes, and uh, amen to that. And I'm guilty of that as well. Um, but it's like. It just it's not the same community as it once was. Uh, mm-hmm. But other than that, uh, also I have a, uh, a Facebook group called Ahi's Aliens. That's that's okay. probably the best way. And also, I right on. People are trying to get me to do a Discord group and like uh, like stream on Twitch my production sessions on Twitch more. That'd be cool. 
those are all things I'm, I'm working on, but I feel like for producers, like my YouTube is probably the, has the most useful things. Well, we've got all kinds of people listening to this podcast, so I'll include links to the show notes. So everybody listening right now, go down there, follow Ahi. Uh, thanks, Chris. This has been fun, man. Yeah. yeah. Hey, thanks for reaching out. All right. Well, enjoy your uh, chicken farm and I'll see you later. Bye. Peace, aliens. Peace. Bye. Hey, don't forget, if you want to stay connected with me and learn some new cool tips and tricks with Ableton Live and a lot more and get involved with the community, uh, the Facebook group for Live Producers Online members is open. Just go to Facebook, search Live Producers Online members and request the join. Just say podcast or something like that and I'll approve your request. Love to see you in the group. Also, if you want to save some cash on Ableton Live, if you've been using the free trial and you want to upgrade to standard or suite, then just go to liveproducersonline.com slash buy Ableton. Be happy to hook you up. Much love, everybody, and happy producing. I'll see you next time.